1: Welcome to the New Books Network.
0: Welcome to the New Books Network, an interview podcast with authors writing in a diverse set of fields. My name is Cody Scahan, an anthropologist by training, and I'm starting an MA program in anthropology at the University of Iceland in August 2022 as a Leifer Erickson Fellow. My work focuses on the intersections of queerness, environmentalisms, and tourism in Iceland. My guest today likely needs no introduction, but regardless, I will do my best. Dr. Jonathan Crary is the Meyer Shapiro Professor of Modern Art and Theory at Columbia University in the Art History and Archaeology Department. He is a prolific art and culture critic and is um, the co-founder and co-editor of Zone Books. Professor Crary has been the recipient of the Guggenheim, Getty, Mellon, and National Endowment for the Arts Fellowships and has been a member of the Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton. In 2005, his teaching and mentoring were recognized with a Distinguished Columbia Faculty Award. He is also the author of Techniques of the, Aversor, of the Observer on Vision and Modernity in the 19th Century, Substant- Suspensions of Perception, Attention, Spectacle, and Modern Culture, which was the winner of the 2001 Lionel Trilling Book Award, and 24 7, which was a finalist for the 2016 Terzani International Literary Prize. But today we've been discussing his new book, Scorched Earth, Beyond the Digital Age to a Post-Capitalist World. Welcome, Don, uh, Dr. Crary, and thanks for joining me. Did I miss anything? Um,
1: you know, one thing that, I, is, I, that some people don't know about me is that my first degree that I got as a student was a BFA. That my, my original educational experience was at an art school where I did film and I did photography. So that um, it, it, it's always been, an, it's a way in which my academic work has been inflected by that experience um, of working in the darkroom, of working with other filmmakers and so on. Sure. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, that definitely comes through in this book, I think, because you definitely, you, yeah, there's, um, you know, definitely things that you bring up that I wouldn't expect a normal person who hasn't worked in those fields to bring up. So um, you can definitely see that coming through and really enriching this book okay so yeah uh, um so scorched earth primarily focuses on the internet and the internet's inseparability from 24 7 capitalism um so as a result rather than being sort of this revolutionary site of digital commons as was foretold the internet is and always and was always to be caught up at sort of these processes of americanization colonization massification militarization, environmental exploitation, and sort of the overall dehumanization of humans. Um, and as as Dr. Carey kind of describes it, it's perhaps like the most penetrating form of technology of capitalism into our lives. Um, is that an, kind of an accurate encapsulation?
1: It, yeah, it, it is. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I, I wrote the book with a certain set of objectives in mind. Um, which one, one of which was not a dispassionate, objective, scholarly um, examination of it. But I, I, I really made the decision um, to go with a, with a specific rhetorical um, project, um, which was, uh, in, a, in a sense, not presenting both sides as, as academics were trained to do, um, but uh, in, in, in a sense to intensify what some of the arguments are. Um, or some of the ways in which we can understand what we're all experiencing today. Um, I mean, you mentioned that I wrote um, a book called 24-7. And um, in, in many ways, this book is um, an outgrowth of that, because um, in, in 24-7, I talked about what are some of the consequences of inhabiting a world that's basically switched on. All the time. In other words, a twenty-four-seven for me was the idea of a of a social world, but also a, a living environmental planet that has no time, no downtime um, of, of of living systems um, that are really deprived of that ability for recuperation, for restoration, and renewal. Um, and it was a different moment. Um, it's it's amazing how things have have. I don't know. I was going to say gone downhill uh, since then, but in, but I think I think it's clearer, much clearer now. What what are some of the consequences of a world that's never switched off? And that's kind of that's why I chose the title. I mean, uh, scorched earth. Um, that if you don't uh, turn the power off, things are going to get hot. Uh, <laughs> but, it's, but, I, but but the heat is not literally about global warming. Um, I mean, it is about that, but it's also about what happens to the way in which in which social forms, uh, communities are impacted by that um, that 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 inability to, in a sense, have time to spend outside of all of the accumulative and and and. all of the work related imperatives that we're saddled with. Um, so that's, you know, that's how I start out the book is, is in a sense. Okay. Why don't you interject if you've got a question?
0: Um, I, uh, I don't really have a question, but I guess I, I I can, I had a point here um, that I can kind of add on with that. Like, um, The way that I really think you did a good job of encapsulating what you're kind of describing of this always turned on and how always being turned on kind of like separates us from each other is um, you kind of use the term the colonization of consciousness um, and kind of this idea. So we believe that we're like autonomous actors. Um, and responsible for our own needs and uh, fulfillment of our needs and desires and everything, um, and we become super independent, but in and and like cut off from the rest of the community. Feel like um, you know it's just kind of like the American consumer culture taken to the extreme. Um, but in reality, it's obviously these very complex um, forms of like capitalism, especially through the internet, forcing us to like kind of driving our desires in some ways and in certain directions. Um, so I, I thought that was a very evocative, um, phrasing for that. And, and the way you explain it is just so amazing. I really, I really like it.
1: Well, part of what I wanted to do in terms of the, in, in a, of, of what some people have already called the relentlessness of my, of my argument is I, I wanted to, to, in a sense, effect a kind of defamiliarization of the, of, of, of the circumstances and arrangements that, that we're living within. That is to suggest the ways in which they're not necessarily here to stay. Um, and in fact, I use that phrase a number of times in the book about different institutions, different social arrangements, different technical, technological arrangements that are presented to us as these inevitabilities, as these, in a sense, historically determined facts that um, are irrevocable, and th- that's part of what I'm, I, I I was hoping that I could get across with the the way in which I use my prose um, in the book um, is to is to insist that not that we're ever going to you know I mean I'm well this is getting into prediction but it's I, I never say that we're going to live in a world where there's no digital technology but I'm suggesting that if we're going to be inhabiting a livable and shareable world those technological arrangements will be marginalized they won't be the center pieces of our lives um, so I, I some of the historical background for the book is looking at the 1990s um, After the fall of the Berlin Wall and the Soviet Union, when it seemed as if global market capitalism, free market, uh, the so-called free market democracies were, it it, it was often presented as the end of history. As though this is the way things are going to be indefinitely. And clearly, events have shown that that was not the case. Like 9-11 was a huge wake-up call that, um, you know, reveal that, um, there was far more conflict, far more unresolved antagonisms in the world. And even in the year and a half since I finished the book, I mean, it's amazing the kinds of events that have happened. Um, I mean, we don't even know what's happening now in terms of the breakup of what we once thought was a global, a globalized planet, um, with this vision now of a, of a world that's splitting in two of Russia and China on one side, and the U.S. and Europe uh, on the other, um, because that certainly is an abandonment of those fantasies of a of a world that would be harmoniously unified by digital communications and um, and internet contact. So you know, e- even in the time since I've written the book, there's evidence, there's clear evidence of the fragility. And the, in a sense, the precariousness of arrangements that had been presented to us as um, unchangeable—you um, know—it was—it was. So, but I mean, that's just one example. Because um, for for me, it's far more important is the untenability of certain technological arrangements in relationship to how we relate to other people, how we how we build. Communities that are capable of of, of supporting of uh, each other, um, and I, I think that's the that's the crucial. Those are the crucial arenas or milieux where where we will see new forms of, um, of of socialization emerge. I mean, they're already happening in the global South, in, in indigenous communities. Um, I, I think some of us in cities like New York, we 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 we, we don't have direct contact. With some of the some of the new directions that are being staked out um, by people in 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 some of the the most damaged parts of the planet. Um. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So what really strikes me with um, what a lot of what you're saying and what's in the book is kind of this um, the kind of generational part aspect of it as well because it's like um, you you talk about how um, young people are just so shut off from like anything else like like personally for me um you know since i was born the internet has existed and in school like from the time i was pretty young i was socialized with the internet and all these things um so it can be even more difficult for me and and people of my generation and um similar ages to kind of like like you're saying imagine something differently or or get outside of this um uh which i think is kind of ties in well with what you kind of what you' were saying earlier about um, like looking at indigenous communities and how they're um, having these forms of organizing because in the book you also talk about um, just considering the sort of vast time scale of human history and looking at these and saying okay so there's ultimate form alternate forms of arranging ourselves and we've done it without the internet and without technology for so long so like how can we get back to these um, what like looking forward what new ones, might come out from just, um, you know, experimenting with different forms of living as well. Um, which I really appreciate how you, how you, how open-ended that is for you, because you talk about like each community, um, kind of figuring out for themselves. Um, so I, I think that's just like, yeah, personally, I think that's, that's the way towards the future too. Um, so I guess, yeah, with that question, I guess that kind of, um, This kind of goes back to the, I think the beginning of the book where you talk about the idea, your, your sort of point of the book you write is to give voice to what is experienced in common, to what is known or partly known in common, but is negated by an overpowering barrage of messages that insist on the unalterability of our administered lives. So going along with that, what would you say is kind of like the audience or, or who are you speaking for? What kind of gap are you trying to fill here with this?
1: Well, i don't know whether i've i've completely succeeded or not um that's really what i'll find out in terms of of, of of who the readers of the book ultimately are but i didn't want to write for an academic audience um i mean i've i've, I've written books that are in academic prose that in, in a sense that use the models of academic scholarship and with 24/ 7 i i think i started to do that um to in, in a sense to imagine it, a crossover uh, kind of vocabulary. I mean, I you know, I, I obviously can never uh, completely abandon the, the the ways in which my thinking has been formed. But I really tried, in terms of of my vocabulary, and my re, my reluctance to, in a sense, get too deeply involved in some of the contemporary theoretical debates that are that are going on. So it, it's it was when you. The, the, the idea of addressing people who may in private have certain doubts, certain misgivings, certain certain even a certain threshold of, of, of despair about the the limitations and a kind of impoverishment of their of their individual lives. Um, because in other words, that idea of we're repeatedly, we're inundated with declarations of of how great the internet is, and that this is the way in which we relate to other people. So, um, you know, I think we all do. I'm certainly not exempt from 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 the habitual way in which I engage these tools that are in, like in front of me, literally right now. Um, but in other words, I'm trying to to, to allow people to begin to pursue. Some of those, you know, maybe even barely verbalized kinds of doubts or misgivings or, or, or uh, intuitions of the inadequacy of, of, of how one is connecting with, with other people. Um, but I, I mean, part of, part of what, I mean, one of the uh, historical figures that I draw on is the um, re- revolutionary leader and theorist Rosa Luxemburg. Um, um, you know who was most active around the time of the Russian Revolution, and the, and then in the uh, years immediately following the failed revolution in Germany. But she noted as clearly as anybody in, in uh, of, of who was analyzing capitalism was the the need for capitalism to to continually eliminate and close off even the visibility of alternative ways of living or alternative ways of working. Um, and that's, that's partly what this whole, um, process of, of, of the, 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 the expansion of what becomes integrated into online routines from routines that had existed, um, in, 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 in offline ways for hundreds of years. Um, So it's, you know, we're we're getting to a point now where there are no, there there, there will be fewer and fewer significant social worlds or, or social arenas of, 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 of interaction that are, that are offline, that are unmonitored. So, so to speak. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to, be too extreme because obviously we can all point to to some of those, um, but I'm, what I'm trying to indicate is the is the dynamic or the logic that's at work that that in fact needs to be resisted, um, and it just it also goes to the way in which the word technology is used, which is um, something I'm always on the receiving end of. People say, "Oh, you're against technology." No, that's that's absurd. Um, but what I am against is the, the incredible limitations and restrictions that are that are put on how that word is used. The, the, the word technology has come to mean a very small slice of, of, of what we could think of as techniques or technologies in the long historical framework of how that word is used. So that if, if someone is, you know, called a technophobe or they're against technology, what it, what it finally means is that they are critical of the offerings of a handful of global tech corporations. You know, you're anti-technology if in one way or another you are critical or refusing of what Google or, or, or Facebook or Apple, or whatever um, offers so you, you know it's it, it's no wonder that there's a there's a k- kind of informal enforcement of um, of critics of 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 that particular sphere. So I mean you know the, the, the word technique um, as as a number of interests some of our our best historians and theorists have pointed out you know is has been with human society as, as long as it's existed. Um, so that, you know, one has to be thinking not necessarily just about old or, or, you know, um, indigenous techniques, but of a, but, but of a kind of mix, um, of, 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 alternate possibilities for the way in which materials can be used, the ways in which living arrangements and communication systems, um, can be, can be understood. So you know that's what I was. Tr- I'm trying to shake up is 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 to get away from that narrow um, way in which certain terms are are used and deployed.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. Like the the policing of language and especially um, um, on like online spaces of of like how we use technology. This sounds very like like jocksalool to me. Um, inspired by his use of like how he uses technique and how he in the technological society and things like this. It's, um, like this expansive form of exploring different ways of, of what technique can mean. Um, as you say, it's like, if, if the internet and these other like technologies are, are so like invasive parts of our lives, or like they're just a part of everything. Even if um some sort of you know we're organizing even um, an in person conversation, we'll probably use the internet to communicate and and um, arrange this. Um, but like a, a more expansive form of the word technology can can open up, like you say, new possibilities of like oh we can use other forms of technology to communicate and organize and and meet up together, um, which. I guess for me that opens up the question of um, thinking about like maybe in t- more in terms of like labor strikes um, and 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 labor unions and and um, organizations like these. Like um, oftentimes, uh, as we've seen throughout history, like you know, May '68, all these other things. Like obviously, they weren't relying on the internet to organize. Um, so, do you see that like? in the future, for example, for labor unions and, and, and these other sort of different way, um, do you see in labor unions and these sort of practices and these sorts of institutions, like the, is this one of these areas that you're thinking, of? Oh, we can pull inspiration from them, um, on different ways to like communicate and create community and, um, outside of this sort of internet, uh, technology bubble.
1: Well, I can't, I can't say I'm hugely informed about contemporary labor movement but obviously um, a, a, a lot of workers are looking for ways to um, uh, to have more autonomy in the ways in which um, their 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 lives are organized and the way in which the very conditions of labor um, are organized but I mean part of what I'm you know posing in the book is is the possibility of some dramatic, are some pretty dramatic transformations that are not that far off, um, so that um, you know we're all talk. I mean, we, we all. I mean, people who are involved in various progressive and environmental kinds of activism. Um, you know, we're all looking towards a future in which um, growth ceases to be the the kind of dominant imperative in terms of how an economy is organized. Um, so there, there are people who are looking at a no growth future. There are people who are looking at, um, the green new deal are looking at a whole range of, of visions of a very different kind of future, um, that, 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 that in one way or another could contribute to a survivable planet. Um, but what I'm p- pointing out is that, I mean, this is, comes from a lot of reading of, 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 of work that's come out of those movements, but also talking with people, um, that what I'm partly challenging is the, the sort of unexamined assumption that the internet and social media will, will persist alongside whatever sorts of reforms or, or, um, re re, uh, remakings of, of the economy. And to me, there's something, there's a kind of cognitive dissonance there um, because the internet and social media, the, the only reason they survive is through the existence of mega global corporations like Apple, like Google, like Facebook. Um, so, you know, I think what we all share is, is a vision of, of how the world could survive in the absence of those dominant corporate institutions, um, that basically, if 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 those institutions are, are are and corporations are still here in twenty years, um, it means that we won't have succeeded in changing anything. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I you know, I'm not an economist, and I'm not you know, I, I can't say my my environmental. Um, knowledge is, is that of, 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 of any expert, but I mean there's there's a kind of common sense um, logic to, to to what I'm I'm, I'm projecting. Um, so that if we're really thinking about a survivable and humane future, um, we really have to think about what what will be, what will be some of the underlying conditions that could support that. Reality. So to get back to your thing about uh, your question about labor unions, it, it, the, the, the very way in which work and labor will be um, will be happening, will be, you know, hopefully will be outside of those top down hierarchical corporate models. And there'll be that the, in, in various regions of the planet, there'll be new ways in which. Um, collective projects, whether it's for affordable housing, whether it's for clean water systems, you know, whether it's for um, the lo- local food production. I mean, those are those are just some of the basics. I mean, this is not me um, posing these, but of just this is this is common sense, um, and I mean common sense in the in the the, the, the deep root of that word common, um, because um, you know. The, the, what one of the things that neoliberal capitalism has persisted in doing is denying countries the ability to to be self-subsisting you know any country that starts to institute land reform in other words of wanting to have um the, their own food production under their own control it's <laughs> that's absolutely prohibited um <laughs> that, 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 that poor countries have to be even more enslaved um, to, to, to economic control that's outside of their, their hands. Um, so that's why the, those things of, 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 of housing, um, water and food, I mean, <laughs> and, 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 and some kind of health care that's available in, um, in an equitable uh, way. everything else in a sense has to come after that. (laughs)
0: Yeah, of course. Yes. Um, yeah, as you say, like, um, I'm, I'm somewhat versed in the commons literature, although maybe not as I think I am. Um, of course with like Silvia Federici is, is one of the big, big names, um, and she focuses largely on um, places in Africa that have their, like, create their own forms of commons or, or have historical um, commons that they're sort of, like, continuing to bring in and use in the present. Um, and just, I guess, interestingly, I, I think, um, although... In the West, there's definitely historically been forms of commons, um, especially like uh, I'm thinking of like sort of feudal England before um, enclosement and and, uh, things like this. So um, and and you talk about capitalism and neoliberal capitalism um, directly infringing on these um, forms of commons. So. I, I think this common sort of idea and, and people well, ver- like on the left largely in, in academics are like fairly um, amenable to the term commons and kind of understand what that means and are like, yes, this is a great idea. But um, with like, maybe a little bit broader society um, do you think there's this struggle and sort of maybe articulating to them um, the importance of these sort of common um, uh Structures or these, like, like these may exist, right? Like, they exist in different forms, like churches, um, and, and churches that some more like food drives and all these things. Um, so do you think there's some sort of like translation perhaps that needs to be done of like this, this sort of true, ch- this church charity drive is essentially a basic form of commons, and and this is the kind of things that we need to, um bring together more. So yeah. Is there some sort of translation thing here or, or those like completely different ideas in your eyes?
1: Well, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether we need to get completely hung up on that specific word. I mean, that, that there could be enterprises, there could be local efforts at various goals that, that from a certain perspective would have that commons character. Um, but, um, I, I, I'm just not, uh, I mean, I, I think that we have to look at a whole range of, of activities. Um, as I've said, many of which are already taking place in, um, in, in, in some of the most vulnerable and precarious, um, communities um around the planet whether it's around sea level rise i mean as, a, as the, you know some of the the organizing that's going on on some of the pacific islands that are the most threatened by, by sea level rise um, or whether it's in communities in south asia where um, the, the 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 way in which agriculture is organized um i mean of of, of in a sense fighting for the um, the the control over the, the, the traditional forms that food raising um, has taken for, for for centuries as opposed to um, the the global um, uh, food and chemical fertilizer companies that are coming in and and, and completely um, devastating those those long-standing relationships of, of people to the land so that, You know, what what forms those will take in places like Europe and North America? Um, Again, I think it's going to it's going to really depend on different regions. I mean, already Southern Europe of what what over the past 10, 20 years in Greece and in certain parts of Spain, you know, of the of neighborhoods that in, in certain ways have have organized themselves around specific objectives or um, sometimes what they'll call neighborhood assemblies. Um, I mean, they fluctuated, um, you know, in, in, in terms of the, the relationship to, to specific historical moments of crisis, um, at least in, in recent, uh, re- recent years. Um, so it's it, it's tough to come up with some sort of large or overarching uh, uh, characterization. Um, uh, I'm, I'm just in response to your question.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, of course. Cause yeah, there's, um, you know, I, I think some of the, the ones that are perhaps, um, very well known or, or, or maybe, um, kind of come through a little bit more and in, in other like, um, forms of media include like, um, Rojava in uh, North and East, uh, Syria, like, um, and then of course, like Athens, the traditional sort of, uh, um, um, Commons and practices that have been done there. So it's yeah. Yeah. um, But I just just, yeah, go ahead.
1: I just you're absolutely right to to foreground uh, the work of Silvia Federici. I mean, you know, you've read the book, so you know that I cite her, and um, you know, she's just an an extraordinary activist, but also an extraordinary theorist. Um, But it's someone. She's her her writing is something. it, it, It speaks to people who. Um, may have no connection with the academic world there's a there's a kind of there's a kind of clarity um about um about how she presents um you know what could be very complex kinds of of questions and phenomena but there's there's no question after you've read a book by her um to 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 know what some of one's priorities need to be um
0: Yeah, the way that Federici articulates this sort of um, idea of the commons or, or whatever language you kind of want to use, like you're saying, I don't think the, the language is so important um, as sort of recognizing, I guess, a little bit like of, of different forms of how what this can take place, as you kind of mentioned, and, and seeing this throughout the historical record and, and even in con- contemporary times. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think all of that's great. Um, so... I want to change focus a little bit here um, to kind of maybe hone in a little bit more on the idea of like scorched earth. Um, the concept that you use of a scorched earth, um, you kind of write a, a scorched earth is the stifling of hope, the canceling of the possibility that the world could be restored or healed. Um, this crushing of belief in renewal is perpetuated through the capturing and disempowering of the youth. Um, so this idea of scorched earth is I, I don't know if you've read um, Anna Singh's um, work, but um, kind of she has this idea of like living in the capitalist ruins. So it's it's about sort of um, after maybe whatever happens, um, uh, we sort of have these, these practices that we can rely on or even things that kind of like come from the desolation. So she talks about mushroom gathering um, after... Um, land like have been completely destroyed by um, like radioactivity from like um, the nuclear bombs, for example. Um, So um, just in in terms of like, yes, this idea of perhaps living in the ruins um, is, is this sort of part perhaps what you're trying to capture with scorched earth a bit of like um, even if we don't completely succeed in everything that we may set out to do and, and like human humans survive, but there's, you know, we do some sort of devastation to the earth or, or it's, you know, left bereft of um, a lot of the natural resources that we've been uh, lucky enough to have, um, that there's still these, these sorts of practices you're mentioning. Maybe they're perhaps let us still exist in another form. Um, is, is this kind of maybe an idea of what you're trying to capture with scorched earth or is, yeah, yeah, is there more yeah. you want to add to that?
1: That's definitely some, some really valuable observations. Um, I mean, I use the word partly because I I, I did a little etymological research because um, I mean I was interested in how long that word has been around in English and what um, what some of the, the 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 roots of it were, and I I came up with the understanding that to scorch something is not to completely. Um, immolate it i mean you know to, to scorch something isn't to completely burn it up um at least this is one definition of it that to scorch a surface is it's to it's to kind of singe a surface and one of the definitions that i i came across was to 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 scorch or singe a surface in in such a way that its color um is is er- eradicated um which really connected with me partly because I'm involved in art and and, and the history of art um, so I, I was really thinking about the the, the the ways in which some of what we're experiencing now is about that damage um, and degradation to what we think of as color maybe not in in a literal optical sense but color in a in a broader, Way of 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 the affects that, in a sense, give our life some some kind of joy or some kind of um, some kind of quiet exhilaration in terms of how we connect with others, even how we connect with animals or the natural world and so on. Um, so that's you know, I, I and I, I mentioned that at, at a certain point in the book. Um, so that it is, I mean, scorched earth is also it's about damage to the point where renewal is 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 either either made impossible or made very very difficult um and that was one of the reasons why youth is would be in, in at least in a social or even anthropological sense of of the way in which that living element of a, of a of a of a, of, of a human world which is It's youth, the the sort of flowering, if one wants to to think of all of the the metaphors that one could bring into it, um, is is, is a a concerted set of of arrangements that prevent young people from, in in a sense, understanding who they are in 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 a temporal and generational sense um and again it's not so much that young people are made to grow up really quickly but it's that it's that closing off of of what for thousands of years had been part of part of what it meant to be of of what youth meant um in in terms of 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 exploration of all different facets of life um driven by a kind of sense of wonderment or exhilaration and so on. I mean, I know know this seems a little hyperbolic because obviously, you know, we've been living in societies where, you know, young people have been subject to deprivation and, and, uh, um, you know, difficult circumstances of all kinds. So I'm not saying there's something totally new happening, but I, but what is happening is that narrowing through digital technologies and social media, of closing down some of those experiences that, at least to my mind, were, are 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 kind of essential for 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 in a sense self knowledge and and self understanding, and of the ways in which you build a world um, in partnership with people that you're friends with that you love, you're, and and so on. Um, so it's that's happening in different ways, different parts of the planets. I'm not trying to you know. N- some completely homogenous um, um But I do say one of the things I say is that music, in spite of the ways in which music is, you know, a commodity and it's sort of that, it's interesting. That still is one of the few ways in which young people have come to some way of, of, of understanding their own uniqueness and their own... Um, um, the, 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 the only it's the kind of ways in which their relation to the world is mediated and I, it's, 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 it's interesting. I mean for me, I mean I may be wrong about this, but this is that's my that's my hunch. I think other people agree with me as well that there there's something so kind of fundamental about that relationship to music that it that isn't it, it's not capable of being completely um, um, appropriated, so to speak. Um. Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, just kind of picking up this sort of thread of like scorched earth um, uh, with the aspect of like draining the color from something and um, just kind of this this overall picture you're pointing of like um, this this kind of disconnection from from humans and nature and um, each other and all these things Um, towards in the latter half of the book and in the last chapter. Um, You really seem to focus on specifically like the eyes, the voice and the face and sort of like how these are like we're being like sensorially deprived and and, um, uh, like capitalism, uh, neoliberal capitalism and through the Internet and all these things is like um, sort of remaking our senses or like using sort of these hacks of our senses to make us hyper aware of certain things and pay attention to these sorts of things. Um, and, um, so like, could you, I guess, talk a little bit about how this sort of like this sort of separation from like, or, or this change perhaps of the way that we sense the world through our eyes, our voice, the face, and these things kind of like change our relationship to each other and our relationship to, um, to, uh, like the community and, and things like this a little bit more.
1: Oh, that's great. I'm, g- I'm glad you asked that question because it, it ties into some of the earlier parts of our discussion. You know, what is it that enables or is the ground for the emergence of a, of a world that's shared, of a world in common, so to speak? So I kind of talk about the importance of, of, of what some philosophers or others call an encounter. Um, which it, 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 the, the way in which that notion of the encounter has, has been articulated, um, is, is about the the, 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 in a sense, the, the fundamental importance of the face as a, as an element. And here, you know, this would not mean, um, what we're doing right now, um, <laughs> You know what I mean that, that it would be a, it would be a notion of face to face that would be about that physical uh, proximity. Um, so basically, I, I you know I I'm looking at the the, the face and the gaze um, and the eyes. The, 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 so the three things: the face, the gaze, and the voice. That for me, and I think you know, they're, they're for for many other people, they're kind of core. Kind of irreducible elements of 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 a world that we could think of as an interhuman world. In other words, if, if you don't have those those elements in some way, um, and, and obviously I, I, I would mean to compensate for um, any disability that was was bound up in those. So I'm not trying to essentialize them in that sense. But um, of, of of the ways in which proximity. And speech and, and and touch obviously could be part of that as well, although I didn't um, uh, introduce that into it. Um, so I'm looking at the ways in which there's a kind of instrumentalization um, and even mechanization of those three things. That's that's intensifying. That's increasing. A lot of in some ways it doesn't seem all that. Um, threatening i think to a lot of people the way in which we'll talk to digital personal assistants or to, to robotic voices but I, I my sense is that that extended and, and kind of ongoing a uh, pervasiveness of, of of talking for example to 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 robotic voices um there is something that damages. it there's something damaging about that over the long term, um, and it's a kind of impoverishment um, because I think I think once we begin to talk to robots, there's a way in which we make our own voices into something that's depleted. It's depleted of the kind of feeling, the kind of emotion that we we use to talk to to real people, um, and it's also just the way in which our face has become kind of instrumentalized. In so many different ways, you know, um, especially faces that have a kind of obligatory smile on them. Um, but, I, you know, it's, um, I also talk about the iris and the whole technology of iris scanning, um, which transforms the iris from something almost, almost a bit magical in terms of the way in which you can locate something incredibly unique in 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 the gaze of a, of another person um, so i one of the things that i as you know from reading the book is that i'm far more concerned about what's happening to those elements of a, of a life world or an interhuman world than i am about about digital surveillance you know there's a lot that's been written recently about so-called surveillance capitalism which I I totally. It's not like I don't think it's 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 not important, but I think I, I think by focusing on on data mining and, and and digital surveillance, that the end result is simply to make us even more protective and privatized and isolated and enclosed, rather than looking at some of the the more profound ways in which we're we're in a sense being re. Again, I, I mean, I want to be very careful. I mean, I'm not exaggerating, but I just, I think it's a. What's at stake is is a more. It's it's not so much control, um, but it's a it's 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 a kind of diminishing, of what some of our, capacities as human beings are, um, which I, I actually find more more disturbing, ultimately, than the idea that we're being. Um, um, somehow manipulated and 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 controlled because I think that there's there's a way in which we, at least we can consciously think about resisting, whereas we don't sometimes we don't really see the little increments by which we're we're drained of some of our abilities to to empathize and to connect with other people. Um, sure.
0: Yeah, and um, I, I really appreciate in the book how it's this is like. It's, it's very understandable like it's easy to read, but it's not like a, a lot of books and and sort of things writing about the internet or, or people talking um, just kind of generalize about the internet and, and technology and say oh, it's depriving you of your senses. it's you know making you desensitized to things and and just the kind of more like I appreciate the, the sort of like the almost viscerality too of like how you're talking about, our, our like senses our natural capacities and and how the iris and just with nature like the beautiful colors of nature and everything that there's some sort of like like you're trying to almost reinvoke the sense of like wonderment and, and wake us up to it and, and see that's like, this is what we're losing. Like it's, it's not some sort of just general sensory perception of, of things, but it's like this specific idea of wonderment and capacity for, or for seeing the natural beauty of things and, and seeing each other as humans. This is what's kind of being, being uh, sort of changed. And, and um, like you say, diminished, um, which, which I really appreciate in its sort of complexity and um, uh, yeah, kind of refusing to just sort of cop out with the generalizations. Um, so. Right. No, Cody, I'm glad yeah.
1: that makes me, I'm, I'm glad that as a reader that you, you connected with that because the, the book starts out and in in a, in a, in a, in a in, and again, I think I used the word, it's a pretty relentless overview of the of 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 the digital world that we're inhabiting, but when I get to the third chapter, I I tried to do something very different in terms of 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 talking more directly about um, ways in which we can hold on to certain elements of, um, of 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 our of our lives and of the ways in which our lives are are kind of in, in, in inseparable from those of other people, regardless of how um, of how broken or deteriorated they become so that's one of the reasons um, i didn't really focus i mean i i made a point of introducing the work of philosophers and and social theorists and um writers of of, of, of many different kinds from from you know even a hundred or more years ago that i didn't want to simply focus on who were some of the important people who've been writing in the last 10 20 years, even though I did name a few, but I mean, so that's, that's why somebody like Rosa Luxemburg or the philosopher Martin Buber, especially important for me, um, or I don't know, Hannah Arendt is in there. Um, or the, 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 the French, um, social thinker, Simone Weil, um, who, um, wrote during world war two, um, or even some of the late work of the the philosopher who's, I mean, I could go on, but I, I really wanted to, to convey the idea that it, it isn't that we can still learn. We can, we can learn an incredible amount from people who were already thinking about some of the, some of the ways in which modernizing institutions began a much longer term process of, in a sense, incorporating individual human beings into these these different systems and imposing these different imperatives about um, how people relate to each other. Um, so that that was it was important for me to have that longer historical framework as well. You know that it's it's not as though this started twenty years ago. Um,
0: <laughs> sure. We've, yeah. We've, um. yeah yeah for one i think um your use of martin buber is is really interesting um especially because just i've I read a few um a, a few books and, and articles and, and things by martin buber um but it seems like i don't know it's I, i'm not sure why but like it, it doesn't really come up a lot. People don't cite him so much that, it, from the stuff I read mostly. And um, I think just sort of like his conceptualization is so like, really it, like the philosophical approach to things that he takes of like um, the, like I and thou and all of these things. It's like, it, it, it strikes very much accord with like what you're kind of trying to encapsulate in your book. And like sort of this, just like um I don't know this this deep like humanism almost of it and and right. but, um, I mean,
1: people forget sure. that Boober was a socialist and that that everything he did was geared towards the 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 possibility of a of a of a more human community that it was never I mean, you know, he did write that book called I Am Now but it, his his ultimate concerns were about um, ways in which a, a kind of socialist. Um, community. He never thought it would be perfect. He never thought it was ever going to be, you know, finally realized. But he, he just posed that idea of, um, of, of, of of shaping community forms of living together as a goal. I mean, as a kind of regulative goal, um, and including, you know, some of the other people that I uh, discuss in the book w- would have shared some of those those ambitions at that time as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So just sort of, uh, I think I have sort of a last kind of uh, sum up question that it may be a little, little complex, and, and maybe too much to ask for one person um, to put this all the burden of this on your shoulders. Um, but as you state, you kind of your, your goal is to uh, touch some part in people who say, you know, sort of have this feeling or something realization that something's wrong, like that we need to do something else. Um, so I, it's kind of a two part question. So, um, uh, one, how, how do you sort of like in your book you, you, towards the end, you describe like these ideas of like forming these, um, uh, like what we were talking about earlier with the commons, like just different forms of, of, um, bringing people together to uh, generate these sort of healthcare, of uh, food and all these resources that we need, um, so how do we how do we for one get people who have these feelings to actually like sort of cha- change these feelings into action um, outside of like you know I don't know like maybe maybe you think writing these types of books is to do or or maybe you know showing by doing and then I guess sort of a related second question is how do we get people um, who are so just still so saturated in the internet and and maybe somewhat convinced by your defilamentization sort of technique, which I think is great. um, How do we get them to actually sort of leave the internet space or leave this sort of like digital space and and kind of, you know, as they say, touch grass or or really engage in like the, this sort of, um, I don't know, the sort of activities you described. Right. Uh, Those are really tough questions. And I,
1: I I wish I had some, some easy answers. Um, I mean, I think part of what's going to, I mean, people are going to respond more, uh, more directly as events, in, in, in a sense, take, um, take a more obvious turn towards the transformation of the, of, of the world that we're living in now. Um, it, it, it's, um. I mean, I don't want to be prescriptive in saying that there are that there are specific. There's a specific agenda that people have to follow, but um, um, you know, and, and it's going to take different forms, different different regions, different communities. Um, I mean, part of what I, I you know, I'm, I'm sharing with other people is the is the sense that. The, the the Western organization of of, of society and the economy um, is is in, in in a sense beyond repair, um, so that there's going to be there's going to be an inevitable way in which people are going to um, to to look beyond the the promises of that, um, that in a sense that we've been we've been living with, and who knows what's happening. Right now, in terms of um, the, the the deterioration of some of the um, some of the assurances that we've been living with about um, um, you know just sort of the basic ingredients of a, of a of a livable life. I mean, I've always had some doubts about um, the way. I mean, for example, the demonstrations that. Take place whether it's by the so-called extinction rebellion people more in England than here um, but of really whether those efforts are misplaced to some extent by by in, in a sense asking the the powers that be to transform themselves um, and expecting that that some change is going to come in that hierarchical top-down setup, as opposed to, um, to, to in a sense reorganizing the ways in which the, the the individual lives of the people in those demonstrations or those movements um, are, are, are 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 figured at this point. So, I mean, that's you know, I'm hardly the only person to have. Um, to point it to that but it's it, 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 it's it's the very um, very composition of what protest is of what resistance is that in, in a sense has to go has to shift from asking and demanding from powers that be to constituting one's own community one's own group one's own. Um, one's own region um, in in ways that that pose other forms of existence other forms of living together Um, I mean I I, that's that's not a you know it's not a direct answer to to what you're about
0: it's it's kind of a very hard to answer question I think if anyone if anyone had the answer then like you know conversations like this wouldn't you know, have, have to happen as much if, if no one holds all the answers and the best we can do is is sort of to like chip at it and and, and do our best to broach and, and get people. Um, and I, I'm in complete, complete agreement of the, um, you know, the, the inefficacy of the sort of relying on these top-down structures to try to, uh, you know, appeal to these top-down structures, because fundamentally, it's not in their best interest to change. Um, whereas it's, of course, in the best interest of each individual person, um, especially when we sort of try to generate the sorts of communities that you that you describe. Um, so... So I, I think you're I think you're pushing people and and writing and thinking and and definitely hundred percent the right direction. and right. where
1: well, people often ask me, they'd say, well um uh, are, are you hopeful? Um, or, or, I mean, and, I mean it's it's a it's a word that is pretty urgent right now. I mean, we're, a, a lot of debates are about you know the the degree to which one should express pessimism. Or the degree to which one is entitled to be hopeful. Um, I mean, my sense. I mean, just to, we can kind of. It's just as a kind of concluding remark is that is that hope shouldn't really be thought of so much as an attitude that one can choose to either take on or not. That that for me, hopefulness is something that's that, that that's completely inseparable from from working together in some type of shared world another that hope doesn't at least in the the ways in which i think of hope as meaningful it doesn't really exist as an individual attitude that's kind of enclosed but that 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 hope it, it, that hope manifests itself within shared enterprises and shared projects that that that, that are about at least some some vision um, of an of an alternate world or of a of a, of a world that could possibly emerge um, so that um, it, it, it takes it out of that you know that, that idea of, of simply a an attitude
0: <laughs> yeah sure yeah and and um, just to sort of go along with that your book is certainly not not I wouldn't call it either utopian or dystopian in nature. Like it kind of tacks between. It doesn't describe this this perfect world that we're going to achieve. It's sort of this realistic, um, but but as you say, hopeful um, tone to it of we can do something. Uh, there's something to do it. So it's not completely foreclosing off of the future, like like um, many people feel is is the way that the world is and 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 the only attitude they can take. Um, which is, of course, as you say, very complex and, and difficult thing we all have to sort of deal with. Um, but, yeah, so uh, thanks for joining me, uh, Dr. Jonathan uh, Crary. And thank you for turning into the New New Books Network, everyone. So make sure to check out Dr. Crary's book, Scorched Earth, Beyond the Digital Age to a Post-Capitalist World. Um, so can, can you say about where people can find this book or, um, yeah, sort of the best way people can find this book?
1: Um I I encourage people to buy it at the local bookstores in my na- neighborhood in <laughs> upper west side of New York
0: City. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. So if, sure. You're near,
1: if you're near a bookstore, go tell them to to order it for you if they don't have it. Um, so I'm avoiding suggesting a, a, another way to to get it. <laughs> I'm not
0: it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, yeah, I appreciate you for joining me. And this is your host, Cody Skehan, signing off for now.